Welcome to a special edition of Free Range American. Got a longtime friend now. I mean, we we met uh, quite a few years ago, maybe four years yeah. ago, from some friends. Mr. Zoltan <laughs> from Five Finger Death Punch. My man, welcome to Free Range American. Yeah. How are you doing? How's Vegas? Pretty good. I mean, I'm outside, you know. I know some, some places are still cold, so don't hate, guys. You move there on your own. So, <laughs> But in Vegas, we have 100 degrees, so I'm in a pool usually, and, you know. <laughs> yeah, San, and, San Antonio is just now starting to, starting to heat up. It's like May 1st, you go from uh, occasional rain and, like, decent weather, and then, bam, it's, it's right to humidity and 95 degrees every day. Yeah, same here, but you know, I'm not complaining. This is great. <laughs> I know Every like, day I can jump in my pool and it's all good and I'm thinking about the people up north. Like we were just <laughs> we were just saying, you know, this is the this is the first time in a while, you know, not traveling has has been nice and and like uh, you just granted, you know, it sucks because of the the whole situation that we're in, but not traveling is weird to, to Yeah, I mean, look Exactly. I mean, like, you know, of course, it's, uh, it's in some way, it's a tragedy, tragedy for many people. But, you know, but in some selfish way, I can look at it this way, you know, that this is the first time for me, at least, you know, it's 15 years of solid, you know, recording, recording, touring, 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 right? 200 years, 200 days on the, on the road every, every year, you know? And, um, and for me, going to Hawaii and hanging in a hammock, it doesn't really work. You know, it's, it's 15 minutes from now. I'm like, okay, I got to do something. I'm, I, I got to work, right? <laughs> so, you know what I mean? And, and right now, I'm kind of, you know, sitting in the pool and the first time without guilt. You know what I mean? Because somebody's out there working harder. That's always like, oh, I got to, you know, I got to get to it. And, but this time, nobody else really, you know, working. So it's kind of like a psychological sort of, you know what I mean, break on it. Like, you know what? I can actually just chill for a second. Yeah. And you know, like, especially for us, you know, we're always, whether it's, it's something with the business, if business development or meetings or meet and greets, or, you know, Matt, Matt just had his book, uh, release a few months ago over the summer and things like that. It's like, we're always on the road, always on the road. So we've, we've had these huge ideas that we've been talking about for years, but have never gotten to do because we're just never home long enough to execute them. So yeah, it's, it's like, we're finally really like, like, like just hard planning in and focusing on, on some of these things that we've wanted to do for a long time. You know, what's going to happen when this is kind of over, everybody's going to come out, you know, from like bad out of hell, you know, everybody. Yeah. There's going to have a new record, new material, new companies, new whatever, you know, <laughs> most people like, you, you know, people like us, you know, usually work even when it's, you know, even when it's time like this, but, you know, but I mean, I, you know, we, we're doing, uh, we're doing a couple of things. Like we, we are, uh, we are recording some, some videos. We did this quarantine theater stuff, right. Where we revisited all of our old videos and just talk about it behind the scenes, sort of, it's a little bit like mystery theater 3000, you know? Just three of us sitting in a room no, and that's looking really at funny. our own videos, right? <laughs> and then and kind of make fun of stuff and 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 tell the untold stories of how this happened, what happened. So we did that and we have like twenty something episodes of that. And, but you know, Ivan is recording some crazy 
stuff right now. He's asking everybody to teach him how to play guitar, and it's not working <laughs> out. So, <laughs> and so he called everyone, you know, and everybody's kind of like, okay, dude, your fingers are too short, or you know, whatever, right? <laughs> and so he's doing a, a you know a few episodes of this. Pretty funny, actually. Like the last last thing I saw, I think was. I think it was head from corn was trying to show him some ribs and uh, it's just, it's funny as hell. So we're going to start posting those, you know, that's great. Yeah. Because, you know, especially with your guys' old videos and stuff, you guys know all the, all the, all the back end, what went into them, the secrets, the, the right. troubles and the things that you face, you know, that's something we've talked about for a while too, going back into some of our videos and almost pop up videoing them or Mr. You know, going in and explaining, Oh man, you know, we almost didn't right. get this because we lost a camera that day or somebody accidentally deleted a memory card, things like that. Right. And it's, it's pretty funny because, you know, when you're watching this, this old stuff, you actually start remembering like, Oh yeah, I, I remember where all the bodies are buried and you know what I mean? <laughs> so all those, all those funny stories are coming back and you know, everybody's a fan of uh, mystery theater. So we thought like, you know what, that's actually the, uh, of, uh, the best way to tell the story kind of making a spoof on mystery theater. So that's how we did it. Oh, I'm, I'm excited to see that. So, um, let's get into, you know, kind of your history and stuff like that. It's really interesting. You know, you were uh, a traditionally trained graphic artist, correct? Mm -hmm. Like you went to, that's correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. When did that start? How old were you? Where were you living at the time? So, you know, I grew up in Hungary, you know, at the time this was still a communist country. And, um, if anything, we got a pretty heavy duty education, you know, so originally, like, I mean, the first school I went to, I had like three math classes every day. You know, they, they separated people in a, in a very interesting way. They said like, okay, well, you're good at math and sciences. So you're going to go to a special school or at least a special class that will be focusing on that. Or you're really athletic. So you're going to a class that, or, a, you know, or a school that is specialized in that. So they kind of separated us in, you know, in groups and, so originally I, I went to school for, you know, I was on a path of being a, a mathematician, right? Oh, wow. Really went a different way with that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Imagine <laughs> I threw it all away. Look what happened. So, yeah. So I, I spent, you know, my, my those years, the first, you know, the first eight years in school, pretty much science, 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 right? And I was working for an observatorium, you know what I mean? I, I, my friends were like professors from uh, the university. That was my, you know, my group that I was hanging out with. And in the same time, I had, you know, different talents and I, I could really draw really well. And so, you know, in, in an interesting way, that's the, that's the hardest part because when you have talents in various ways, you don't, you know, which way I'm going to go in life. Right. So I wanted to play guitar. Right. Um, that was another possible goal. So like there was graphic design and art, there was playing guitar and there was science. Right. And, um, when I was about 12 years old, I made my first guitar from a coffee table, literally like I had, you know, bits and pieces of parts of you made guitar, right? your first guitar yep. from a coffee right. table at 12 okay, years man. old. Right. I mean, think about it. In, a, in my country, somebody would make between monthly, let's say monthly salary of a person at the time would be probably like a hundred dollars. Wow. So, 
Yeah. So for me to get a guitar, that was just not impossible. an option, right? No, it's impossible, right? And so what happened, I found this broken guitar where the neck was intact. So I could take the neck from the guitar and the machine heads. And then I just hit my parents' coffee table with a jigsaw. They were really happy about it. And, uh, you know, and I made a guitar that was an unplayable piece of crap, but it was a guitar. Right? It was actually, I... I I was a big fan of uh, Wasp and you know, you bands t- like that. How did you tune it? Or did you tune it? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I had the parts. Like I had yeah. the bridge. I had the machine head. You know, so, so basically, I kind of looked at it, how that guitar was originally made. It was a bolt on neck. So, you know, I, I managed to put it together. You know, I measured everything, like how far the bridge had to be. It was still a piece of crap, and it was really difficult to do anything with That's it. That's still a lot to do when you're 12 years old, Zoltan. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, I, I really wanted to be a guitar player, man. This is, this is, this is a you know, big difference between the East and the West, man. Where on the West, in the West, when you want something, you're going to give me a laundry list of stuff that you need. If I, if you want me to go to the moon, I'm going to need this, 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 and this, and this. Without this laundry list, you can't do it. In the East, we are like, okay, well, I have a broomstick, some gasoline, uh, some <laughs> gunpowder. We'll, we'll make it somehow, right? So we just look at what we have and then let's do it, right? So that's the, that's the East European uh, way, you know? So I made the guitar, right? And um, it was in a shape of a BC rich war, warlock. That's how it looked like. You know, I used like, I lived on a military base. So I used like the, the same paint that they paint the tanks with like military green. You know, <laughs> it was, uh, it was an impossible instrument to play, but you know, that was my first guitar. So there I was guitar, you know, graphic design and science. And and then when I went to high school, I had a, I had a big fallout with my, um, I went to a specific high school that was also giving me a, a degree in microelectronics. So technically I have a degree in, you know, I can design amplifiers and whatever. Right. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I have a bunch of different, it's, it's you know. like you're, it, it, it's like a mad scientist is literally just mm. giving all the ingredients to how right, to right, make right, right. a giant band. All right. 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 You exactly. got the guitar. Science. We got, we got math. You, you've got this electrical engineering degree, you know, where you can understand the engineering behind an amplifier and oh, right, 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 right. You're also I, I an artist. Able to design one. Yes, basically. So yeah, it, it, it was all about, you know, this was the master plan, Bakaru Banzai, man. So, <laughs> so basically, uh, you know, so I went to that school and I had a massive fallout with my uh, math and, and, and science professors, right? Because, you know, it, it, this was very specific uh, school as well. You know, I had more math classes than, than, than I should have probably. But, you know, I have a different understanding of, of, of math and, you know, and theoretical math. And I, I would get into arguments with my, you know, with my uh, professors about, you know, pillars of ideas that they consider as sacred, you know. And mm-hmm. I, like, you know, infinity, you can, you can make fun of infinity pretty simply, actually, because <laughs> I, the, the, the mathematical equivalent of infinity is that, doesn't matter what kind of number you're going to give me, I can add one, right? So technically, infinitely, you can add one. So mathematically, the numbers are infinite, right? <laughs> or, or the physical, yeah, well, that's how they, you know, explain it. So the physical uh, manifestation of, of infinity is both outward, inward, right? Um, so it's easier to demonstrate the inward one because let's say I, my hand is a foot away from the screen. I can cut the distance in half and half and half and eventually, you know, so... 
the number gets smaller and smaller and smaller, but the theory is that it's the number is every number can be uh, divided by two infinitely, right? Yes. So this would never end. So I would say something to my professor, like, that's very cute. Like, okay, my fist is a foot from your face. I'm pretty sure I can punch it, you know? So your infinity just failed. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, if you're taking the mathematical infinity, I could never reach your face. I'm pretty sure I can demonstrate that I can, right? So we would have these conversations and that got me almost ex- expelled from, you know, so and kind of like, time you're like 15, 16, yeah, like about 16, 17, right? And, and I, that's when I gave up on science. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck this, you know? <laughs> so, but I was playing guitar and I was also drawing, painting, and you know, in the same time. So this is kind of how science sort of went away momentarily, which later in my life I revisited. It's, I mean, worked for the space industry. Even when a band was um, already on tour, I, you know, I had three jobs. I had a, a clothing line, I had a design studio, and I was a consultant for the space industry. So, you know, it came back eventually to me, but, you know, but that's how kind of life science. And then instead of going to the university that I was going to go to, to be a, a scientist, to be a physician, um, I ended up going to art school. And then from art school, you can, I could pick a fine art or for, we have it, uh, the translation be, I guess, commercial art, yeah. you know? And then you kind of, you know, and I was pretty pragmatic by, you know, other time and still, you know, that's my, my way of things. Ivan always calls me a uh, Spock because I'm, you know, I'm the number guy, you know, what makes sense, man, is this logical, right? So, so, you know, so I looked at it like, look, fine art. I love it, but you will make is, money when you die. Yeah. Is there a practical you know? application to it? Well, like, there is, but you know, there's so there's not many contemporaries, uh, contemporary artists who actually get make a living. You know what I mean? It's usually when you die, when your paintings are, you know, a volume. Unless so, you're like, Banksy, like, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I mean. Like, there are a few. You know, there are you know, like Koons and a couple of guys that are making you know bank, but that's not necessarily the the, the norm. So I'm like. Commercial art, you know, for forever, you're going to need advertising, graphic design, and all that stuff, you know, industrial design. So I went to that school, and and then I got a degree from there. So I had a microelectronic, you know, degree, like a microelectronic engineering degree, whatever. And I got an art, you know, like an art degree, basically. And there were different faculties there. But, you know, it was an interesting school because literally, I mean, I had a class in um, – the title, if I translate it, it would be um, Mass Control Through Visual um, Design, I guess. Propaganda. Right? Well, well, I learned from the, I learned from the best, man. These, you know, the, the communists were great at propaganda, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like they, they beat it into me. But no, I mean, it, it starts with the most simple stuff like, okay, a visual communication, like if I show you an arrow, right? I draw an arrow. It's almost everyone in the world knows what, what that means. Right. Yeah, look that and way. so kind of look that way. Like yeah. so it gives you a direction. And and from there, that's the basic, that's the most simple, you know, visual a command. And then it starts breaking down to pretty complicated and pretty sophisticated, you know, um messaging, like subliminal. How how much what's your perception time? Like how long it takes for you to look at an image and you understand what it is. And you know, it's basically there's a scientific formula for this, right? So when you look at their merchandise, then, you know, hey, it's all designed that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, almost, I'm just saying. But, what, but you know, here's, here's, here's kind of my personal question for this is what, uh, in this time frame, 
are you guys are you guys doing physical drawing and kind of screening and things like that or was there computers available that you started learning kind of computer graphic design at the time you know what software do they have or what what were you using to do your designing over there then so this was all hand you know so this was pre-computers um you know this was like you know commodore 64 commodore 128 and you know you've got like a big draft table with a light and you're right you're 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 making a poster yeah. yeah, precisely. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, I was really good at airbrush, you know. So I, I had a pretty solid skill airbrush, airbrushing. You know, I can paint, airbrush, and all that stuff. And and calligraphy, like literally I had to, you know, I had to wow. write with calligraphy yeah. pens and, you know, and, and flat brushes. So I had to do that. Did you, you, know? did you ever make yourself a, a font or a typeface? Fonts, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I have. It's interesting, actually, interesting question because I haven't really done it since you know computers exist. But back in the days, you know, obviously, I had to paint and design my own fonts. I had a, I had a class in that. So basically, we had typographic class, and it's graded. Like if you go to any kind of university, you have you know whatever uh, subjects, right? This was one of the subjects that like typography, typography was one of the subjects that I was, I was graded in. And I graduated, you know, I had, everybody has a blue diploma. I got a red one. I was the best of the, the year. Everybody, every yeah. year, the university gives you one. It's a college, but you know, gives you one red, you know, diploma. I got the, the red diploma. It was sort of due to the, this was a time when socialism, communism sort of collapsed, you know, and, you could start to have your own private sector open. So you could start to have your own company. And I was still in school and I already opened the design studio and I was murdering it. So my professors were like, how am I going to grade you? You have the job I wish to have. I mean, you, wow. you know, my design studio <laughs> while I was school, my design studio was one of the biggest design studios in the country. So I was rolling to school with a Mercedes, you know, and I was like, fuck <laughs> this guy, you know, what the hell? So I'm an, I'm an capitalist like that. I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm doing this. Right. So, yeah. So, and in the same time, obviously I had the band, you know, I had a band in Hungary. So we were playing and, and touring, and there was this pivotal moment actually in my life when I remember that uh, there was this pretty big band in my country that was playing arenas, right? Very good friends. And, you know, I did a lot of design work for them and whatnot. And um, so we were very good friends. And, and I, in some weird way, blackmailed them into <laughs> taking us on the road, right? <laughs> so, you know, it's like, oh, if you want this, you know, well, let's talk about it. So, you know, Bart had on a couple of, you know, a couple of business deals and they took us out on the road and, you know, so we were playing arenas with these guys. Yeah, but you have um, something to offer at that point. I mean, you're getting a top-notch designer that's going to be designing. I mean, mm. that's one of the, that's one of the, the, oh, the yeah. you know, a far, aside from tickets and touring, a, a band's income is at that size. Is, oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the hundred percent. And I was doing, you know, like I'm 19 years old, 18 years old. I was doing merch already for, for big bands and whatnot. Right. And in, in fact, in my country, I was kind of the bridge between the old school guys and uh, the new school guys. Like I knew everyone, like the new, the young, new bands, like we were part of that. And the old, you know, it's almost like if you, you know, if you, if you are, let's say in America, it would be the equivalent of, uh, you know, you know, uh, asking Alexandria, but you're also friends with Michael Jackson, even though he's gone now. But <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. I was that guy. I knew everybody. And um, 
so anyway, so we were, you know, so I had access to everything. I was, de- I was designing uh, arena and stadium shows to, for people when I was like 20 years old, you know, so I was designing the entire setup, right? And my band at the time wasn't a, it was a solo band, obviously, we're just, you know, starting out and, by then I had a real guitar. This wasn't a coffee table guitar. <laughs> right? But you know, I was designing I, these b- massive. By the way, you know, <laughs> I do have one of the guitars that you designed hanging up in my bar. It's the front towards the enemy guitar. So nice. um, I do have one of your designs uh, nice, nice, in the nice. house. That's a that's a simple designer, but you know, we'll 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 address that with a new guitar. <laughs> so you know, so I was doing that. I was doing graphic design, designing people's merchandise. You know what I mean? Their their stage shows. Literally, I designed some some stadium shows. You know what's on stage, what happens, and and in the meantime, I mean, I had this 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 studio graphic design studio that um, was killing it. Right. Yeah. So you know, this is the first couple of years of capitalism, or you know, let, let or me private ask sector, you. you know. Let me ask you this. At that time, uh, did you have American or British influence at all? Like, was, was somebody like Iron Maiden an, an influence? Uh, oh, 100%. Because, yeah. Because, I mean, when, when I think of, of that time frame with somebody that really took art and design to a next level, I think Iron Maiden. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 100%. Right. So basically, um, the way this worked in my country that all the, all the records, somebody would uh, sneak it into the country and then they would have these underground, um, um, what do you call it? It's, it was a black market, right? So somebody <laughs> would have the original tape and they had a hundred machines that, that would copy them. And then we would trade tapes and sell tapes. So this was a, it was a big underground. We had everything that you can imagine. I got a metal hammer magazine always, you know, somebody snuck it in and, you know, so we would all share it. So, so there was this big underground heavy metal hard rock uh, movement. And especially when I was younger, you know, that was kind of like, radio television well we had one tv channel <laughs> so it's like communist propaganda so they don't and it only <laughs> starts at noon imagine this at noon we start tv and it goes from noon to midnight and that's it monday no tv wow and so th- yeah that's it one tv channel and then we had three radio channels and it was generally ca- classical music and news and propaganda so i remember one day they played a couple of ACDC songs and the whole country was talking about it. Like, Oh my God, there was rock music on radio. <laughs> and that, but that was it. That's it. Right. And so, so for us, heavy metal and, and, and rock music was sort of a rebellion, right? Like, because I had long hair and you know, whatnot. And I had, I remember having this a British flag, the Def Leppard shirt. That was a British <laughs> flag. Dude, I was chased by the cops with the fucking billy clubs and shit. Yeah. Maybe that were as beat by the cops for that. This is, so, this is, you know, you're explaining a lot of things like literally no American has ever experienced in their life. Like, oh yeah. You, being you chased by the police made. because you were wearing a British, a British yeah. flag on your shirt. That's right. Oh yeah. Got to as beat like correctly. Like we got to as beat for real. I mean, you know, like these shows would be, uh, a lot of these rock shows would always end with jumping the fence because the police would raid it and get as beat. So rock, rock music was not okay, wasn't accepted, wasn't you know a thing. And and um, the generation before me, the bands would have to 
submit their lyrics to the government. The government had to read it and approve or disapprove. Imagine that. <laughs> like, imagine Iron Maiden sending it, oh, run to the hills. Is it okay? And they were like, what kind of hills you mean by hills? You know what I mean? And and you know what? We, it, it seems like we touched that, that road in the mid nineties when, when the Clintons, when Hillary went after Eminem, you know, specifically. Um, and then it was like, that was a thing for a year and then it just disappeared. And we've never, we've never come back around. I mean, you've got nowadays you've got like murder on my mind where they, they essentially arrested the guy because they found out the song was about a real murder. It's like, right. But yeah, like, like you've got to, yeah, I mean, I mean, if you think company. about it, like, okay. I mean, NWA, you know, had some problems and some issues. I mean, there were, you know, bands and, you know, certain groups were targeted before for, you know what I mean? For lyrics and for, yeah. you know, or body count, you know what I mean? Body count was definitely getting some, <laughs> you know, some heat. So, but for us, it was, you know, it was general. It was the whole country, everyone, no exception. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't some one group or, you know what I mean? Or one style of music. Target. If you're going to write just, music, you have to get it approved. Yes. Wow. So imagine that, right. And so our generation was just right after when these cars started to fall apart in some way so we could do whatever, right? But, you know, what I experienced it on my own skin, like how this can go. And, and a lot, as I said, a lot of concerts ended with the cops beating everybody up and we were <laughs> just jumping the fence because the government, police, and, you know, the whole thing is one thing. The totalitarian, that's what it means, being a totalitarian government. It's, you know, it's a code name, socialism or communism, but it's, it's not. It's a dictatorship masquerading as this is for the people, but it's really... You know, it's a totalitarian system. You you can't ask questions. You disappear. <laughs> you know what I mean? So 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 because of that, rock music for me and for my group and my people around me was sort of like the middle finger for the government, the middle finger for that society. I enjoy the fact, like I have long hair and I'm automatically an outcast and automatically, you know, I'm the enemy of the state. And I wanted to be the enemy of the state because I didn't agree with the the, the, the politics. I didn't agree with, you know, the system and how they just, this is just broke down people into basically slaves, you know, that was, that was commissioned wow. slavery. <laughs> so, you know, and so for me, that was like heavy metal was one of the tools that I could, you know what I mean? It, to me, that Outlets. was both a, a, an outlet, a tool, and also there's some way, the light on the end of the tunnel. I, my, my parents were in, both my parents were in the military, high ranking, you know, and we were clashing from since I remember, you know what I mean? And I, they would be like, kid, you're going to get us arrested. You know, we're going to disappear because I would be like, oh, fuck this. We're going to burn this shit to the ground. When I and grew that's, up watching and that's a real thing back then. It's like it was, oh, something hell, yeah. you do could get them showing up to your house and taking your Oh, hands. fuck yes. <laughs> oh, that was not a, not a joke. No, you oh. know, like and I hear the anecdotes when my grandfather was arrested. He was, uh, a, my grandfather was a, uh, uh, on an uh, electric, um, you know, engineer. And he was working at some power plant and whatnot. And he was whistling a song that was not okay. Because that simple. You were listening to the wrong radio stations, like Voice of America was, you know, Voice of America radio stations around the country's border. So we can hear it, but it was illegal to listen to. If, you, if somebody catches you, you're going to jail. You know, if you wow. possessed 
a, 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 let's say a dollar bill. This is a famous story in my country. An Olympic boxer had a, in his glove, there was a $1 bill sawed into his glove and he won. And then he was saying like it was his lucky dollar because it was in the glove. He got arrested for that. Wow. I mean, it was fucking mind blowing. People can't actually conceive what happened. I mean, for you to buy a car, uh, you go and uh, you put down the money for the car and then you get a number and say, okay, just watch the newspapers or we send you a letter when the car is ready. Three, four, five years. You can't pick the color. Yeah. You pay for the car and then you wait three, four, five years. It was like, what in that? These, these, I mean, you're, you're explaining your normal life upbringing. Right. These are things people over here cannot even, they, they, hmm. this, this, they can't even conceptualize this. Right. <laughs> no, and, and let's say like the Romanians, for example, and, and, and the Russians had even worse. So I can't even complain. Like my life in Hungary was way better than the guys in, let's say, Romania. Who, I've been to Romania you know, and it's wild, man. man. I mean, like those guys, they couldn't drive. Like they would look at your license plate if it's even or odd number. If it's even number, you can drive on Monday, Wednesday, you know, Friday. If it's an odd number, you can wait Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. You get, you know, and you get, let's say, you know, one full tank of gas a month. Figure wow. it out. That, I mean, it was ridiculous. So, you know, back to the, you know, back to the, the music part. I mean, so for me, I was in that time, this transitional time. So immediately I was, first and foremost, in my whole life, it was, uh, I was getting ready, you know, like getting ready to get the hell out of there. So by the time I'm 10 years old, I'm talking mad shit to my parents and everyone around me, like, we're going to grow up, burn this shit down. And, you know, first opportunity I get, even if I have to skip the border, which means there's a minefield. So you have to learn how to find mines so you can get out. So, you know, so that was a plan. And um, thank God I didn't have to do that. But there were people who did, right? <laughs> so, or think about the German wall. I mean, you know how many people get killed there? Holy shit, to try to skip that? I mean, it's, it, it was insane. So, so basically, that, that was the whole thing that, um, while this was changing, this, I was there when this was becoming, you know, sort of a post-communist socialist, democratic socialist or to copy capitalist Thing. country yeah. happened in this short period of time. And I, I immediately capitalized on it. That's why I started my, you know, my company, you know, the design studio. So that sort of, you know, gave me a pretty good life. Like I had money beyond most you know, most people or most people combined, you know, <laughs> and then, and then I had the band, you know, that we were, we were touring. I didn't have to submit lyrics to the government, <laughs> government anymore. So it was a rock band and, you know, and then, um, and I also finished my education because that's true. The education was serious. Like, you mm -hmm. know, that was, you know, we, if you, you can, I mean, you can't like basics, just geography, right? Like, or I had to know the, uh, the constitution of the United States or yeah. what it is about, you know what I mean? And I'm over there, right? Or I probably forgot more about socialism, communism that you will ever learn here because I lived it and they were beating it into us. Every, everything, what it is, where it came from, we had to not just live it, but study that, right? So, you know, so education was, was hardcore and uh, it's, you would have to pick, pick an African country, you know, what's the capital, right? You know, 
and play Togo and you know what's the copy? It's Oga Dogo, right? I mean, you would have to do that. You would have to know the most insane things. Like, okay, tell me the North African countries from let's say uh, west to east. That Just you have to massive go like, okay, amounts yeah, of memorization, Morocco, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Have, yeah, you you have to know so much. I mean. Uh, so education was good, and I finished it there. So I got all my diplomas and whatnot. And then, and then, um, but I had this moment, this profound moment, where I was still sort of, what am I going to do with my life? Right? I had the design studio that was making me mad money. In at least in that country, I would be considered rich, you know, from the the, the design stuff compared right? to any, everything um, else going on. In oh yeah, yeah. I mean, as I said, like most people were driving this cars made of compressed paper literally 27 horsepower called trabant two two wow. stroke engine you have to mix gasoline with uh with oil motor oil to put it in the car and for you to uh fill it with gas you have to actually open the hood the en- and you have to put put it directly into the engine i mean it's <laughs> like the gas tank was in the engine compartment i mean it was ridiculous and you know i was driving on bands you know so I had a different life already in, in, in some way. And, um, but I was still undecided. Science, music, design. Design was paying me. Science is just is something Interesting. interested and being yeah. involved with. And, um, and there's a the music. And, and the music is the most, um, what would I say, the hardest to get to. Yeah, because the I mean, design studio proved itself. I, I'm I'm killing it, right? With science, you know, uh, there always scientists are needed all the time, right? Fraction what, of a fraction of people make it in the music realm. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what do you think I picked? <laughs> music. Well, you wanted the challenge. I could have also been a sniper, but I was fired mm. from the sniper team. For what? True story. So, so I was when we were, you know, same thing as I told you. Like we are in, we are kids, ten years old. Military comes to the school, give us like air power rifles, right? You shoot, they pick out the best couple of kids who are really good. And then they invite you to the military. I lived already on a military base, but I can go to the shooting range and, uh, and, and shoot. They teach you basically to shoot and they can breed you into like by the time you're 18, you're a sniper. They're grooming, grooming you to do They're this at, you, a, right. at a young age. So I got picked, you know, I was, you know, I was good with the, you know, with the, the slingshot and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so I was going to the, you know, the, uh, to the shooting range all the time. And, um, and you know, old school, we didn't have the rail in, you know, targets. It's like total old school. We have a shooting house with the three windows, you know, standing, kneeling, laying down. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So three windows. So that's covered. But the target is out in the boonies and there's a big ass sand hill behind it as a catcher. So that's what catches the bullets, right? And mechanically, you have to walk out there and get your, you know, target and change it. And, you know, I'm, I'm a kid sitting there with my bolt action. That's what they gave us. They figured that's the safest for, you know, they're not going to give us more than just... Mosin Nagant? It was, uh, it, it was literally the old school. I don't even know what brand, you know, it's you're talking about Hungary. It was some Russian, it's whatever. Soviet, right? yeah. Action, I, it was a right. Soviet Mosin Nagant. I, 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 probably. It probably was a Mosin. Uh, that's... Mm-hmm. Same same weapon used in in World War One and World War Two. Right. Yeah. It's an old you know wood body. You know the whole nine yard. Right. So I'm shooting with that, and I got bored. Right. 
and my target is shoot the shit. Like there's nothing already. So I, sometimes I would fire over to somebody else's and I got yelled that, right? Because I shoot over to the different lane because, you know, when we shoot, we shoot with iron sight, no scope, mm-hmm. yeah. but I do have a standing scope so I can see what I did. So otherwise you're not really a shooter, right? It's easy to put a laser dot on something, yeah. or, you know? So now this was old school, like iron sight. And then I can look into my scope and see what I did. And I would shoot over to other people's, you know, <laughs> targets and just see what I did. <laughs> so they would yell at me, but you know, so one day I'm like, Oh, look birds. So, you know, 10 years old kid, what? Oh yeah. Boom. So I shot a bird and you know, there's a captain running down. He has a little, like almost like a swim master, you know, sitting up on a, a yeah. thing so he can oversee the whole lane. They armed and they tell you, if you turn with your gun more than 45 degrees, they will shoot you. That's the rule. So wow. if I hold my gun, right, and yeah. I made a, a, a 45 degree turn, that's his job to shoot me. Wow. Yeah, this is not kidding, especially if you're shooting with automatic weapons. Oh, 100%. Because you can mow down the whole, you know, yeah. you're not kidding. And you never, you never so know the, in that situation who's ready to just right. get out of there. Oh, yeah. So, you know, so I'm like with my bolt action, you know, messing around there. And he's running, you know, ripped me a new one because I shot a bird. And I'm like, okay. And so a couple of weeks later, right, same situation. I'm bored. I have nothing to shoot. I have a hole this big on my target. I'm like, it's, you know, but I have to <laughs> wait for everyone else to, you know, cease fire and change it. So I'm like, ah, you know, whatever. And, um, out of a sudden birds, I'm like, oh, look, I look up. He's not in his little, you know, his little yeah. place. Like, hmm. And oh, okay. Bam. He was on the other side. He's running, screaming at me. Right. And, I'm like, oh, shit. So he was like, listen, there's, this is a sand hill that catches the bullets, right? But beyond the sand hill, there's a village. Everything that goes up has to come down. So you could possibly kill something, kill somebody, right? And me, like 10 years old, you know, fucking big face kid, right? You know, arrogant <laughs> prick. I'm looking at him like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then I go, well, the projectile is in the bird, Man, he literally just grabbed me and yanked me all the way through the thing and he kicked me out. Probably kicked me in the ass as I, you know what I mean? That is fuck, man. So that that was the end of my, you know, uh, uh, long, long range assassination career. How you there. That's kicked it. out of the hungry military. Yep. That's it. I was ten years old and my uh, assassin career ended. It's like you are good, but you're an idiot. You have to get out of here. So that was it. So anyway, I still had like okay, I still have the guitar, the graphic yep. design, you know, in the science. <laughs> one that. down, <laughs> right? One down, right? And then so when we were on this tour, by the way, can you? Is it is it uh, bothering you? My um, what is it? My waterfall just started. I can't, to... No, I can't hear it. Perfect. Okay. Good. All right. Good. So imagine this. So I had this profound experience where we're touring the country and I was playing uh, an arena, an outside sort of arena show in this town that's, um, that's sort of like, a, um, you know, like, like, like spring break in Florida. Everybody goes there for yeah. the summer, right? And so a there's fest. a specific, yeah. yeah, like, well, it's, uh, it's called, um, I don't even remember the name, but it's just, a, it's just a, 
we have a lake, a big lake in the country, and everybody goes there for summer. So imagine, on a winter, population of 50,000. In a summer, population over a million. Wow. Yeah, so it just, just blows up, and it's a big party time. And we had a double show there. So we played two shows, and and this was the end of the summer. And in Europe, it's a little bit different. In America, it's, it's not a known thing, but Europe, this is how it works. You know, summer starts on June 1st, right? And between June 1st and August 31st, schools out, yeah. right? And everybody goes on vacation. So generally, that's the idea. Like, people just make enough money so they can take off the summer. You know, that's the, that's the general. You, you, you get in your car, put a tent on the roof, and you drive down to the seashore. That's how everybody <laughs> does. That's what we, everybody's camping. So this is a, a normal European sort of way of living. Everybody's waiting for the summer. So, But September 1st comes, you go back to work. You go back to school, right? So basically what happened, uh, we were playing on the very end, the last couple of days of the summer, literally uh, August 30th and 31st. And I was roaming, played the first show, big show, full house. After the show, I'm roaming the town with the band. And, you know, there's a million people there. Uh, the clubs are all outside because they're so huge lasers. In a, yeah, I mean, it's a massive party. The whole town is just one big party, right? And then we had one more show. And then I told my band, like, listen, guys, let's stay in town because tomorrow is the last day of the summer. Yeah. So every road will be jam-packed and it will be, uh, uh, you know, it's just going to be insane. It is going to be, you know, 300 miles of traffic jam, you know? <laughs> like, liter yeah. I mean, like, literally, because people are leaving. This, Everybody's this going place. back. Yeah. Right. So I'm like, you know what? Let's stay here. And then waited out because our next show is three days from now. So we did. And that night I went out uh, in, in town and it was completely empty. And, you know, I go into this club that yesterday had like, I don't know, 5,000 people ripping down the ceiling. And today there's like a hundred waiters and waitresses sitting at the bar like this with a beer, you know, kind of have wow. nothing to do. And I'm looking at this and, uh, the, you know, the, the, the pole dancers just hanging their feet. Nobody's yeah. dancing. I'm looking at this, and the whole town is covered with garbage. I'm like, you know what? This is what I never want to see again in my life. I don't want to see a Monday. I don't want to see one of these. If I'm a musician, yeah. right? We bring the party. I brought the party. We have the show. It's fucking awesome, right? And then it continues. And it continues. Wherever you go, that's where the summer is. I never want to see Monday. <laughs> right. That. That's what it was. Literally, <laughs> that's what it was. Like, I never want to see a Monday again. And, um, and that's kind of what I decided. Like, you know what? The only thing that can give me this feeling is music. So I, being pragmatic to, the, to, to no end, I'm like, okay, even though the design studio making me uh, the money and that's what enables me to live this way. I'm going to shut it down. I'm going to shut down the design studio, which would make no sense to anybody. Yeah. But it made sense to me because I'm like, I have to concentrate on nothing but music. So everything else needs to be shut down. And literally went into the studio and in, we were in a studio for a year and a half straight recording, 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 recording an album. Yeah, it's good, but not good enough. Not, it's not revolutionary. Throw it out. And kept going. I don't think, like, it did record, like, five, six albums, at least. Kept throwing it out until we had something that was kind of revolutionary at the time. And, um, 
And so I started to have interest from the West because it would send that, you know, tapes and whatnot. And basically that, um, a later version of that band became out to New York and we started to, you know, record with various producers and whatnot in New York, got a record deal in America and whatnot. And that's kind of how it, you know, and when happened. did you name it? This, this thing kind of fell apart. Part, you know, yeah. it, it never came out, so it doesn't even matter what name because nobody would know it. It fell apart. The singer decided to rave, you know, he, he, he met with some hippie chick, decided to save the rainforest or whatever the hell. Right? Uh, no, I meant when did you name the current band here? And, and was that oh, an old band? I think back? that punch happened yeah. a decade later. Oh, wow. Okay. Hmm. So you had an interim. This is 90s. We talk okay. about 90s here. Got it, so I'm got coming it. out to America. I'm, I'm here. Um, we had a, a record deal and, you know, I was recording with a bunch of Jamaican guys and, you know, all kind of crazy stuff, right? It was almost like heavy metal means meets, imagine a, a, an early Limb Biscuit sort of thing or, or kids rock, but okay. years earlier, you know yeah. what I mean? And, and with a little bit of almost a reggae thing in there, you know, and hard rock, heavy metal meets, you know, Hip hop, reggae, sort of. Kind of like uh, there's a Puerto Rican band called Puya. That, uh, yeah, that is, yeah, that's that interesting. Is, yeah. Or, Reg- you know, reggae or right now, Fire from the Gods, okay. one of my favorite bands, you know what I mean? <laughs> but so they, this was very, very, you know, I manage the band so I can, you know, drop that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, so, you know, so, but, you know, it was very interesting and everybody was interested and, in, you know, but the band fell apart pretty quickly and I stayed in America and, you know, I had to learn to speak English. I didn't speak English at the time and, you know, and it started from there, you know, um, I started to work for various, you know, companies, comic book. I was dry, drawing comic books for a while. Oh, wow. Companies and, yeah, yeah. So I was, you know, then I became an art, um, an artist for massive merchandisers. So between Star Wars, like I was doing uh, merchandise for Star Wars, wow. but also Hello Kitty. <laughs> I mean, every, I'm not kidding you. Every spectrum. Look, every aspect. And then I was working for Disney uh, merchandise. And, you know, so I was jumping around merchandising companies. And uh, NASCAR, WWE at the time was WWF, right? Mm-hmm. And WWF, you know, sold the wrestling federation. I was doing a bunch of these mer- the merch, basically. You know, so, so merch was always easy for me. You know, I, I understand what works, what doesn't, right? Sure so designs, man. <laughs> and then I moved, you know, but it was New York City. And yeah. then, then I, you know, then I had enough of New York because even though I built a couple of different bands and tried, you know, to, to get somewhere with Continue the music. The music New yeah. uh-huh. But New York was not, uh, uh, you know, a place for rock music or heavy metal. It was just not happening. No. It was all, you know, more urban hip hop stuff and, and I'm like, well, let me get the hell out of here. So in 2000, I left New York and I moved to Los Angeles. Okay. So basically in, from 2009, I was in Los Angeles and, you know, same thing, building bands. And, and in, in that time, you know, interesting that the graphic design was um, supporting me, right? Yeah. So almost like the, the, the band, the music was like almost like a drug habit, you know? Well, <laughs> you have to buy you, your equipment, you're, you know, it's just... you. You went from New York to LA to do what so many people have done to chase a dream, but you weren't, you had a skill that, that kept you away from waiting tables and things like that. So it was like, and I, and and then the talent pool out there 
is so much wider because so many artists flock to LA that now you're able to start picking and finding yes. more talented people and, and more and, open for the genre I'm in, right? Yeah. Like hard rock, heavy metal, like it was closer, you know, Los Angeles was more open to dark, MTV right? was peaking really at this time around 2000, 2001, 2002. Like that's when, that's when, you know, the MTV era was. Then, then, then it was shortly after over. <laughs> yeah. And you then know? just it, it transitioned to reality TV and then slowly kind of went. Pew. Yeah. But, you know, but basically I arrived to Los Angeles and um, by the time I come to Los Angeles, you know, I had, because I, I was in a really high level um, in, uh, in that merchandising world. Like I was making some mad money for various companies. You know, I mean, you know, when you do NASCAR, Star Wars and yeah. all the top <laughs> accounts, you know. It, and so, so I had headhunters all over me all the time. And so when I moved to Los Angeles, it was not, you know, I came here immediately having a six-figure job. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I was like... And that's very guy. rare for somebody right. heading out into L.A. to follow the dream. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. I arrived with, 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 you know what I mean? Like I had a six-figure job. And, then, and I also, this was a time I, I, I taught myself, for, converted from, from uh, you know, obviously by this time we are computer and digital design. But I started to teach myself 3D animation, 3D yeah. design, and everything, you know, web, HTML, all that so stuff. So did you get into, uh, did you get into Blender back then? Mm. What I did, you know, Lightwave, like, you know, like I was, I was doing Lightwave and, and, um, 3D Studio Max. Yeah. So I was, I was uh, doing that, but mostly I was concentrating on, on the internet because, that was that was a dot com bloom, right? That yeah. was it. That's when it was going, blowing up, and so I taught myself Flash, you know, yeah. Macromedia. And flash. My, my Photoshop skills were always top notch, so that was always world class. And and so so, and I was, you know, this is when the science came in. So I was inventing technology, and I was in, inventing protocols. That Coming still, from. Yeah, uh, go ahead and finish that. I, I've got a, I got so, a really burning question for you. So, so I was working for, I don't know, you know, who Bill Gross is, but, you know, he's a, a tech billionaire. And so I was working for, you know, really um, high-tech companies in that time. And, and besides doing graphic design and, you know, I became art director in some places and and – I was also inventing technology that in some ways still to this day, some protocols that I came up with, uh, it's used today, right? So all these affiliate, but look, I had a contract, right? Anything I invent belongs to the company. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I invented various protocols that all the affiliate programs were running on, you know, and, and, and for, for example, flash, I, um, I, you know, I was pretty good at inventing things. So I was using Flash, and I would take its its basic capabilities, and then and you know we're talking about dial-up time. This is like oh, yeah. you know ADSL, DSL, and dial-up. That's what we have, right? And so I figured that various ways that I could play um, movies that look like a movie, full animations, while you are on a dial-up modem, and it would still play. See what I mean? That was the hardest yeah. thing because how do you load this much data, right? Well, also, so, you know, back then, like Macromedia Flash and Fireworks, mm -hmm. like only right. 
only the most expensive websites were able to do, you know, you're talking Lucas and, and Star Wars is the only one that had a flash site back then. Everything else. Right. I mean, they could do that. Yeah. Charged like between 80000 to $300,000 for yeah. these websites. I mean, yep. we were fucking killing it, you know, but you know, uh, I was, I was the guy who, as I said, I was bringing my, my Photoshop illustrator vector art skills, you know, into, and obviously since I was in a merchandise, a merchandising business, that's also understanding people's, you know, um, what grabs your attention, what doesn't. And, you know, and then yeah. comes back the control of mass media, right. From the <laughs> communist, right. So all this now becoming one, you know, big conspiracy theory. <laughs> well, that's, that's I, what I wanted to ask you is what I got you. What was so, it like coming from <laughs> coming from traditional art and then all of a sudden being able to to work in a program like Corel or Photoshop or or um uh Illustrator well, and stuff like that? Right. Were you like, this is amazing, I can do so much so faster, so much faster? Yes and no. So 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 for a while, you know, um these what well, Corel draw, oh my god, I remember that? Yeah. So, right. So, you know, my Here's the thing. I had the skills. I had the mechanical hand manual manual skills to do all this. I can airbrush really, really well, you know. So I had I had all the manual skills, and so I had to wait the te- for the technology to catch up. So for me, these programs were great but limiting. Yeah. Right. The only thing that I could do better in in the computers like. Typography, obviously. I don't have to paint my own freaking, yeah. you know. Or you remember Letraset? Letraset mm-hmm. was this sheet of paper that you, you, you it has a, a preset letters on it, and you put it on paper and you kind of uh, uh, trace over the top. Trace it over, yeah. and then it sticks to the paper. So there was this thing <laughs> called Letraset. So we would do, I mean, you know. And But there's also just certain typefaces that they would use. But um, So typography became much better obviously, but all the other skills that I have, I had to wait for the technology to catch up. Yeah. So it took some time, so even for Photoshop or everything else to catch up to what I wanted to do, what I could do manually. I had to be able to do that um, digitally. So it took some time for you know, Adobe and all these companies to, you know, Corel never really, you know, Corel never really caught up, you know, uh, I think they maybe even went out of business because of that. <laughs> So, so, but what happened in a second, I noticed that everything is moving online. I figured like all these traditional skills that I have will be the the thing of a past soon. And, um, and so I have to convert everything into this digital world and I do have an advantage because I can do it manually. So I'm not looking for learning it on Photoshop or on other programs. It's more like I have to replicate it with the software that I'm going to use. Right. And and also, I, I dive into, you know, everything online because this was a time where, you know, America Online could buy Warner Brothers because, the, you know, <laughs> because everything flipped. This was like a massive, you know, uh, transfer of wealth and transfer of, of power when, when, when this online boom was happening. And I was kind of in the middle of that, right? Yeah. And so, so what I did, I, after I figured out how to use the original and basic Flash to give you a cinematic experience or no dialogue modem. I became like a sought after guy, like how is this possible? You know? And so, 
So I was, dude, I mean, I did, you know, I did website and digital presentations for probably everyone from Stink to uh, Janet Jackson to Slayer. To, I mean, I did all that shit, TV shows, The Shield, X-Men. I mean, you name it, I've done all their websites and digital media and all that stuff, right? So, so you know, and, and, and I was an independent art director, so that means like various art studios, when they were bidding for a job, they would call me like, hey, can you work for us for on this project, <laughs> right? Because I didn't want to put my head in the headlock. I always wanted to, I'm my own man. good spot wanna... to be in, man. <laughs> right. So that's what I was doing. And eventually what happened, and while this is happening, I'm, you know, I'm making money, I'm putting all of this money into bands and trying and, you know, and so I got to the point where this, this flash cinematic flash skills, and I could also script in flash, um, came handy because certain, the, the private space industry was developing this time. Right. Yeah. And, um, so this one, when it's X price started, so X price was basically the Ansari X price, the Ansari family who's, uh, um, they're billionaires. They, they have like these, these massive technology companies. And they, I think they invented voiceover IP and that was, oh wow, they, you know, so, so they sold their company for a billion plus yeah. whatever. So this billion family, billionaire family was really interested in, in space and technology. And they owned a bunch of different companies and they put up $10 million for a prize, which became the Ansari X prize that if any uh, privately built spaceship goes to space, you know, within twice in two weeks right so go up and land then yeah. they get 10 million dollars wow right? so that was developing and and so everybody was competing for that you know what i mean so all these companies coming up in this private space you know program i remember talking to elon musk's people and you know what i mean because they were trying to launch <laughs> satellites from international waters and whatnot but what happened um some of these companies, it's actually started with one specific project that was sort of crowdfunded. They yeah. wanted to create a solar sail, right? So it's a, it's a satellite. Well, it's actually not a satellite, it's a travelers. It's a spacecraft that would open this giant solar sail and, uh, you know, and basically the solar wind, you know, sort of, yeah. um, speed it up and it would, it would be faster than what we can achieve right now with our traditional, you know, rocket technology. And so they were building this, sending a message to, you know, to outer space, you know, outer space, anybody finds it. And so they wanted to crowdsource this, right? And when you're trying to crowdsource something that, um, you know, the, the, this, this can't be technological drawings. This has to look good, right? Yeah. So they you came needed to a good Hollywood. presentation. Right. So they came to Hollywood and they were snooping around, like, who's the guy who can make this happen, right? And so they, that's how they found me. So they were like, okay, well, uh, find uh, the studio, one of the studios, and they reached out to me. Point is, like, I was tasked to do this project, so I had to do the whole 3D design and you know, and a flash animation that you can see it online, even with a dial-up modem. You can see how it works and opens wow. and flies through space, all that shit. Once I did that, it just spread in the space industry. So from here on. <laughs> Everybody that was calling me was space in the space industry. So imagine when I go to the bank, right? And I literally cash a check coming from these all kind of different companies. And the memo says for the design of the lunar landing module. 
<laughs> and I'm standing there like this with my dreadlocks and, you know, and the bank teller is like, looking like, what on uh, earth? What is this? Right? So, so basically, I mean, and it's a true story. That actually happened. So it's wild, man. Yeah. So, oh man, I had, so, dude, I have stories. But, I was, I was, I got, I got embedded in the space industry. So that yeah. before the band blew up, even when the band was touring, I still had a consulting job in the space industry. This shit happened. I'm sitting in a back lounge, right? On the phone. I'm on the phone with the International Space Station. I'm not kidding. I'm not fucking kidding. So, so literally, this is Anusha Ansari became an astronaut, you know, and I was working for the Ansari Space Alliance, Ansari Space uh, Companies, and I have, you know... I was working on flying cars and all kind of crazy shit, right? And so she's on a space station, and I'm on the phone, and the band is throwing bananas and hanging from the chandelier, right? Like, it's crazy shit. And I literally, <laughs> i like, guys, shut the fuck up. I have 14 minutes before the space station is out of range, and I can't, you know, the, and the, you know, the conversation has to end. I can't hear myself. Everybody looks at me like, what? What? You're like, what now? You know? I've got to imagine that at the same time all this is going on, you're building the best band website that's ever existed at the time. Like, uh, it's, um, this was, the, this was already five thing in that point. So this, okay, we were on okay. touring. And you know, you're the funny thing about this, that I built so many of these things. And I never had the time to build anyone, anything for, for us. you. <laughs> like literally, like, you know what I mean? It's like almost like the architect's own house is a mess, right? Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. So it, it's kind of, it just never had the time to, so but when, I did emerge. <laughs> I got to ask, when did you guys write the bleeding? Because for me, that was the first, that was the first song I ever, uh, I had ever stumbled upon with you guys. Okay. So, this is 2005. So wow. 2000. So basically, imagine this: 2003, four, five. I was working for the space industry and building, you know, building fifing in that bunch, right? Yeah. And and so I wrote a bunch of songs. 2005, um, and then then I found Jeremy. Jeremy was the first members so to speak right so yeah. i had I, I wrote a whole record you know and i had a very specific idea of what what i wanted what kind of music i felt that was missing you know from from the, the spectrum and one of the igniters of this was actually when kill switch engage came out right i'm like oh yes finally i love kill switch engage i i loved uh um end of heartache right yeah, it's about that time, and I I finally and you know what? Actually, when Papa Roach came, put that suffocation, right? Yeah, that song has almost an Iron Maidenish riff in it, and it was on the radio. So to to me, it was a a, a moment of yes, rock music, but more like heavy metal, you know, that Euro style stuff that I was into is yeah. coming back. Because if you think about it, in the nineties it was all grunge. Yes, after and- that it was new metal, right? 
And around two, and and you know, I was kind of like, well, the music and I like the pop, is the pop not, punk was pop punk was peaking. yes, Green Day and all those guys, Green right. Day, Blink One Eighty Two, Newfound right. Glory. Yeah. That was two thousand three. You know, it was Van, right. it was it was Van's Warp Tour at that point. Whoever. Yeah, and it, that that stuff is not my speed. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so for me, I, I was almost like musically deprived and depressed in some ways. So I would be listening to like. <laughs> European bands like, you know, like In Flames and bands like that were still, you know, Europe still carried the torch. But for me, I'm like, I, I, I'm, you know, I felt like whatever I'm doing musically, it's going to be an underground thing because America or at least at the time was not interested, you know? Yeah. And yeah, so pop punk and new metal was blazing. And, but really it is from new metal, right? When, when Korn and all those bands were coming out, I did like the sound. I thought like, man, these sound, these bands sound, because they start to dance to into like B, A, you know, like yeah. this really baritone tune bands. And I thought, man, you know, I like guitar solos. Most of these bands don't play guitar solos. And I, I like the more European kind of riffage, but the grooves and the sound was ferocious. I mean, I don't know if, for example, Limbus Git got so much hate. If you saw that band live, they were crushing, man. You know, back then. Oh yeah. I mean, and they, and they came from, they came from what a small town in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. And, but the thing is like, beside it was one of the biggest men in the world. You know, I wasn't a fan per se, but, but I recognize like, fuck man, this, this thing crushes life, you know, and same with corn. You know what I mean? I wasn't a, 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 a corn fan, so to speak, you know? Um, yeah, but corn was jumping mainstream at the time. And but, they were yeah, radio but, you know, I mean, there were, you know, later on, there were a couple of records when I was like, holy shit, you know what I mean? But um, I think Untouchables was the record when I'm like, okay, you know, mm-hmm. but, but the sound was special, you know, they sounded like nothing before. And it was due to that, the grooves and the down tune, tuning, you know, this, this low tuning, this baritone tuning. And so that was coming, you know, that was raging. And then came this, a couple of bands from the Boston area, right? And that one of them was Kielsich Engage. And when Kielsich Engage hit, I'm like, okay, there it is. Now, this, the kind of music I like, like is back, but I also like the sound of, you know, Olympus Git and, and Korn and who else was there? I mean, a lot of these guys, Cold, Cha- Cold Chamber. and Yeah, Papa, Papa Roach was peaking at the time. Yeah. Uh, but, Link, but I, Lincoln Park was just, like, really going. But I was a more, you know, was a, f- a fan of their low-tune sound, yeah, not Tool. necessarily the music, right? Tool, Tool wasn't tuned that low, but, but like, yeah. you know, but if you take, you know, Korn, Cold Chamber, those bands, right? There was this dark, you know, and there were a bunch more, but this dark, really down to low sound that I really liked. And I'm like, okay, I like that. And I like that Kill Switch Engage is bringing back this Euro kind of vibe, you know? And I was listening to like In Flames and the European men's and, and it started to emerge for me like, okay, that thing that, that I'm hearing is not, is, it doesn't exist. It's not served. So I'm like, if I have this baritone tuning, and the grooves and all that stuff from the new metal era with this very European style of songwriting and construction of, of music, the harmonies, melodies, how they correlate. Mm-hmm. 
then I'm going to have a new sound that is not actually existing right now. So that was kind of the, the idea of five, five Finger Net Punch. Like, okay, I see a hole that, that right here, there's no band or <laughs> nothing that I'm aware of, you yeah. know? Yeah. So this is a, a clean path to, you know, this is not served. So let's marry this super groovy down to music to European sort of melodies and European style of, 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 of metal. But, and let's write songs that have actual choruses, you know, yeah. not just rah, 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 screaming. So that was kind of thing. And that was the path I set out. Like, okay, I can, I can make this thing happen. Right. And I started write, I wrote a whole record. Then I find Jeremy. We went to the studio together and the songs that I wrote, we figured out the drums, recorded those. And then I, um, I sent a couple of tunes to Ivan. Who yeah. I was aware of Ivan from his band Motograder, you know, okay. and I thought like they were great performers. Also, another band that was really tuned low, you know. And I, when I saw Ivan, I'm like, man, this guy, he's he's special, you know. And I met him, um, the Key Club in um in Hollywood. Yeah. And so, and then we sort of stopped. It was MySpace was raging. Remember MySpace? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We never thought that this can go away. Well, it went away. No. <laughs> so MySpace was the king of the universe at the time, right? Yeah, because you couldn't and, get on Facebook unless you were in college. Right. Yeah. And, you know, but, but they screwed it up. You know, I think, I think MySpace sort of um, killed it when they, they had a top eight, when they took that away and it can be top 40. Dude, nobody has top 40 friends. Yeah. But when it was top eight and, you, and was, your girlfriend wasn't number one, you would get a phone call. You would, you're in trouble. But also, oh, yeah. what MySpace did for music then was, was incredible, you know, because that's, yes. that's kind of what it shifted right. to towards the end. Was That's where we started. Yeah. That's how Piping and that Punch was discovered. So, so imagine this. I, send, I keep contact with Ivan through MySpace, sending him songs, and then eventually he comes to Hollywood. Also funny story. I bought him a plane ticket to come to, you know, I lived in Hollywood, come to Hollywood and let's, you know, let's see if this would work. It took me three months to get him because he was like, <laughs> ah, I don't know. I hate the music industry. You know, like we were on a major label and, you know, we got screwed and I don't like any of this. I hate the business. I, I just want to sing and I don't want to give a shit about the business part. Right. I'm like, yeah. listen, if, I'm pretty good at business. Yeah. You know, numbers, business, uh, trust me, you know, uh, you'll, everything going to be okay. All I need you to do is sing, man. Right. And that, we shook hands on that, believe it or not. And to this day, that's how it works. (laughs) You know, it's like every time it's something like Ivan, don't worry about, I'll figure that just, it it will be fine. Sing. (laughs) You you can be an artist because he's really like that. He does. He wants to be an artist. He doesn't care about any, you know, is uncorruptible in some way. If you tell yeah. him, like, Ivan, um, I give you a million dollars if you play this show. If he, if he doesn't like something about it, it doesn't matter what you offer him. It's just He's no. going to say no. Yeah. If it's not fitting, you know what I mean? If, yeah. If you tell him, like, hey, Super Bowl, but you have to lip sync. He ain't nope. doing it. Not going to do it. You know that's what I mean? Great. So, so that's who he is. And, and, so I got him to come to Hollywood, right? And he wrote three songs on three lyrics and melodies to the songs I sent him. And one of them was The Bleeding. Oh, so he man. shows up, yeah. So this is 2006, right? So he comes to, you know, Los Angeles. Um, 
he was like, he's a crazy fucking guy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I remember I had a megaphone in my car and I pick him up, pick him up from the airport. Right. And this is the first time we actually officially hang out, pick him up from the airport, grabs the megaphone from my car and yelling at people all the way to my house from the airport. I'm like, holy shit, what am I, what am I getting myself into? You know? So he comes to, uh, so in a rehearsal place, you know, he sings the songs and we all knew, I mean, I knew that. Yeah. Were you, when here. you heard that one, were you like, right. Yes. I'm like, this is it. This is it. <laughs> and so this is the funny story. What happens? I'm like, Ivan, this is fantastic. I, we think you're the guy. Let's go to the studio and let's see how this sound recorded. Because live in a, in a rehearsal studio, it rip. Let's see how this sounds. He's like, okay. So we go to the studio, record, recorded the bleeding. Then we recorded two more. And I'm like, Ivan, this is pretty cool. Let's try one of the heavy ones. Like there are a couple of face pillars, like the way paste and, you know, a couple of those songs. Let's, let's do a couple of those. I want to see how your screaming sound is, yeah. you know? Yeah, sure. So we're sitting there writing the songs, recording them. I'm like, okay, now how about a little bit of these more European melodic ones? Okay, let's try that. And he's not realizing it, but we're like eight songs, nine you're songs. Like, you're like, the hey, now. we have an album. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. At this point, he's kind of thinking about joining or not joining the band, but we already have nine songs recorded. And that's the first time he started to like, man, I mean, I originally came for three days and, um, you know, I kind of have to go home at one point. And I'm like, oh, shit, about that. You know, the tickets that I bought you? I mean, since we were busy recording, I kind of canceled and the ticket out. So you're kind of stuck, you know? And he's like, oh, shit. I mean, I, I got to go home. And I didn't want to tell him that, you know, I mean, I easily could buy him a, you know, I had a yeah. six-figure consulting job, <laughs> you know, when I'm like, well, you know, money is tight. I have to wait a little bit. <laughs> that was, that was the best, that was the best stretch of the truth that you've ever right, done, right, right. you know? Right. <laughs> uh, maybe I can buy you a ticket next week. You know what I mean? When I, a couple of checks. <laughs> might as well, well, well go to the studio so though, brother. <laughs> let's, let's finish this, right? Let's just finish this. Right. And, and then he, uh, you know, he went somewhere. Uh, he, he did leave. He had one song that wasn't finished and he left somewhere. And I remember getting this phone call like, Hey man, I'm in Atlanta and a stripper robbed me. And, uh, I would, I'm like, what? <laughs> and I don't know, some stripper stole my wallet. I'm like, man, great start. Right. And, and can you send me another plane ticket? I'm like, this guy is a rock star. I mean, there's nothing you have to make. This shit doesn't happen to everybody. But, right? So, you know, bought him another ticket, flew him back to LA, and then we finished the record. And then we had a full album. So imagine this. So the way of the fist that is almost platinum, it's a gold record, almost platinum, was done in my living room with my little bedrobe and underwear and, uh, you know, the mug of coffee and, you know, and that's where it was recorded. We went to the, the studio for drums, like we recorded drums and the vocals to the studio, everything else. So people out there, you can do this at home. That's Absolutely. a whole album. <laughs> that's right. awesome. So, you know, so we have the album and then we uploaded a couple of songs to MySpace. MySpace. And then MySpace, right? And then it <laughs> took off. I mean, this was beating like the download, how many downloads we had. Was, it was a number one, you know, the first 
Breathing was number one, and the other yep. three songs were in the number 10 packet. But everybody else from, you name it, major label, huge bands were also in the top 10. So, you know, people said, who the fuck is this band that we never <laughs> heard of with this weird-ass name, Five Finger Death Punch, number one? Who the hell, right? And this is how people start to, like, you know, reach out and you start to get interested in the band because, yeah. you know, we were killing it on MySpace. So... And even the band name, you know, I mean, when we came up with that, I, I remember the first person I told was uh, Rita, uh, Dimebag Daryl's widow, right? Yeah. And so I ran into her at House of Blues. I think we were going to a Demu Borgir or an Opat show or something. And, and he was, she was there. And she's like, hey, man, how you doing? What, what are you up to? And I'm like, well, I just formed a new band. And, you know, I got a singer from Autograder and, you know, and we, you know, we, getting this together is, is, is pretty solid it sounds nothing like that's out there but it's a combination of you know the heavy low tune new metalish tone with some european stuff real singing and you know it's it's good so what's the name i'm like fifing in that punch and she goes why <laughs> <laughs> like, you know there was this, this pause of like confusion of but 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 why? I'm like, well, I, I mean, all the good names were taken. You know what I mean? I've tried to find a dot com. I mean, every dot com yeah. that makes sense is taken. So that's why. I'm like, look. Well, at exactly. that time, you either you had because two. You, you had two <laughs> options. You're either one word, one syllable, or you're the three words, like as I or, right. as I lay dying. Right. Like yes, and, that and was the, the time. Yes, yeah. that was the time. Like everybody, everybody had these three or four. Red Hot Chili Peppers, you know, as yeah. a forward. But the new bands were all in exactly that. Zile dying, or these. There was these. There's two, three, four, five. You know, uh, word bands basically. Yeah. And but I thought like, well, it's kind of we got it from that. You know, um, Kill Kill Bill. Yeah, I was watching Kill Bill, and I'm like. Uh, exploding five, whatever, touch Lotus, whatever the fuck it was, Lotus Punch. I'm like, that sounds weird, but five finger dead punch could work, right? <laughs> and, and then I told Ivan, what do you think of this name? And Ivan, I love it. Man, everybody gonna hate this. I love it. Like, literally, he immediately, like, man, people gonna hate this. I love it. Right? <laughs> so we're like, okay, then it stays. And but, but guess what? You've you've got you've got a messaging background in visual <laughs> in visual arts. You're like, oh, we're gonna make people love this. <laughs> well, the original imagery was all kung fu, you know. So it yeah. was all about kung fu and martial arts. And I'm a big kung fu martial artist, you know, martial artist, and a big fan of martial yeah, arts. Yeah, you've so been doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu for, for how long? Yeah, yeah. yeah judo. I judo, I started judo when I was. 10 maybe maybe even wow. younger so i do that like forever now and jiu-jitsu 10 years kung fu on and off 10 years you know uh, military combatives and all kinds so, of and, stuff. and that's but, another thing it was sort yeah. of like that a, 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 you know a tribute to you know martial arts and and but then the whole thing just took on its own turn and the breast knuckles for, for example that wasn't something intended it was a total accident a design accident you know <laughs> and then it became a thing. So it was just spreading on its own. And, and then labels and everybody started to talk to us, you know, and, yeah. and that's kind of how this happened. That, you know, the band was picked up. And what was your first, what was your first stadium show that you, that you went out on stage and went, Oh shit. 
I would say <laughs> probably download, you know, the first download because we were on a main stage, yeah. we were on a main stage and this was fuck, 10 years ago. We were yeah. on a main stage already and we were the second man on the main stage, you know? Wow. So very early, like 1 PM or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were walking toward the stage and we could hear this five finger death punch, this chant, but like, massive, massive chant. And we're like looking at each other, like, holy shit. You know, all these people use my space. <laughs> right. And so we walk out to on stage and there's literally over a hundred thousand people in front of the stage. Damn. And they chanting five finger death punch so loud that you could barely hear over the monitors. Did you, was did like, you just wow. black out and play better than you've ever played before? <laughs> yeah, to, to, yeah, to me, yes. You know what? A lot of people usually ask me, like, well, are you not scared? Or you have, you know, stage fright? And it's I, energy. I've never had that. Yeah. To me, it's, it's like more is the better, right? When when somebody's, you know, I, I, I've I've done small-scale singing and, and, and playing and stuff like that. And if people are excited that they're out there, you project more in right. that performance. Like, it's like they're, they're, they're throwing it at you. And you're like, I, yeah. I could do anything. We could go all night. Right. <laughs> I think exactly. I, to, to me, when, when my peers, when other bands are standing on the side of the stage or there is a big crowd, I play harder because it's I like, was, yeah. I was you know? with you uh, at Welcome to Rockville like three, two, three years ago. And that was, you know, that crowd was massive. Because um, Ozzy, Ozzy was there, Avenged Sevenfold, or, and, and, yeah. and that, yeah, you guys, there was, there was easily 100,000 there. It's just like, man, that's got to yeah. be that first one, though, when you walked out, you're like, yeah, that was like, huh. yeah. <laughs> yeah but, you know, and, and my pragmatic side, my Spock, yeah. you know, Ivan always calling, he's Captain Kirk, I'm Spock, right? It's like, Ivan, this is illogical, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, my pragmatic side is like, look, the song goes exactly the same way. The same notes, the same rhythm, if it's a hundred thousand people or nobody, yeah. or if it's your top of a skyscraper or wherever you are, it's the same thing. It's the idea of like, you know, walk the plank. If you have to walk a plank, you can easily do it. Put it on the top of the skyscraper. Yeah, you and can. you do it then. Yeah. So that's the idea that you should, because it's the same plank. You know, now, you guys as a whole for a long time, have done a lot of stuff for, and with the military. Where did that come from for you, mm-hmm. for you? Where, cause you're always, you're always doing something for the military guys. Right. That's, I mean, that was one of the, the things that brought us together was, yeah. was your guys' involvement with military. So where did that come from? So that started right, right away. First record already had like that before Dishonor and a lot of songs that were themed around the military, you know, and I grew, I was born and grew up in a military base. As I said, my parents were both in the military. So, so I literally, everybody I knew was in the military in my first 14 years, you know, and, um, and I, even then, I noticed that it's a different, these are different kind of people. You know, it's a different kind of mindset. Culture. And I, I, yeah. And I was always attracted to this no nonsense forged, you know, take no step backs as, as they take no, no for answer. You know what I mean? This whole yeah. idea of this militant mindset. And, 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 and if you're not talking about here that, you know, because obviously that was a communist army, which I completely fucking disagree with. You know, but 
we're talking about the individual and the individual mindset, not the political background and, and the question marks of why these guys are sent where and mm-hmm. who's benefit of yeah. that, but just the individual who's doing that job. The same with police, you know, first responders. It takes a very specific kind of person to do the job. And, you know, we can hug a tree. I have plenty of trees here. We could group hug, right? <laughs> we can hug a tree all day and, 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 and pretend that this is utopia, right? It isn't, you know, it isn't. And we, we have to accept this, that just imagine if the police decided, I'm not going to go to work for one week. Every, every police officer, yeah. this would be like the, 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 the fucking, uh, what's that movie? <laughs> the Mad Max. The, not even Mad Max, the, the purge. The purge, You know yeah. what I mean? It would be a purge like in two days. So just from that alone, you, you have to accept this idea that we made laws, right? We made laws as a, as a society so you can live your life in a relative safety. Mm -hmm. And you can hold on to your property. And, you know, there's a constitution. There's a way of life that they figure that artificially. So we don't just steal each other's wives with a billy club and, or, you know what I mean, each other's property. You know, so we can be civilized. But somebody has to uphold that law. Somebody has to uphold the rules. So it's like, if you don't like the rules, talk to your government. Don't fuck with a police officer whose job is just to enforce what he was told to enforce. Right? And so... You know, so I recognize that these are the lost, you know, the lost warriors, the lost lions of men that still go out there and risk their life and do their job. And, and so, so I always respected the mindset. You know, I respected the, the man and the woman, the individual who, who has the balls to put on that uniform and, and risk their lives. And, you know, and you bet your ass that it's, it's never like, let me join the military so I can go. And, um, you know, protect a company's personal interest. Nobody yeah. signs up like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it, these guys didn't sign up for that. They sign up for the right reasons most of the time, you know? And, and they believe in something. And I respect that. And the rest of my band respects that. So this is something we all agree on, you know? And so these lyrics and this lyrical context was, context, content was already in there in the first record. Yeah. And so, so it wasn't an, uh, how would I say this? We just, you know, start touring and we were playing these songs and the military guys start to show up. Gravitating. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So they ultimately, you know, and it, this is, you know, like the, the attraction of obviously who's going to be attracted to the kind of attitude and lyrics and who we are, who's going to be attracted to that, you know? Oh, the, I mean, the, the rough guys. We, yeah. Right. And, and we always get this, you know, from the, you know, from, from the, the, the haters, right? Like, oh, the bro metal, you know, military metal. The, this is the, this is for, for, you know, this is for, for gym, you know, the gym guys, the gym bros. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, yeah, I go to the gym, you know, <laughs> and what's the problem with that? And, you know, and if you like, oh, these are the rough gym guys. All right. Well, okay. I can just beat the shit out of you. And what you're going to do? <laughs> Call the police that you hate. Right? I mean, we can settle this. I can just kick the dog shit out of you. And you can't, and you know, you can't call the police, dumbass, because you hate the police, don't you? So shut fuck up. What are you gonna do if I grab your head and bang it against the fire hydrant as many times as necessary? What are you gonna do? Uh, what are you gonna do? Blog about it? Yeah. You know, blog about Yeah, okay. Cool. Write a poem. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> blog about that, you know, that. Write your uh, PhD about it. What are you going to do? <laughs> no, You're going to call man. the police, right? 
it, the it, police that you disrespect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? It's 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 been great. You know, you guys you guys spearheaded the uh the Home Depot home deployment project. You go, you uh-huh. know, you guys were a huge part in kicking that off and and yeah. that was placing homeless vets in in, right. in shelters and homes and things like that. There's the Raiders project that's for uh, the Marine Raiders, yep. you know, Raider, so the, the Raider funding members is there. I'm a board member. Bad Boys are veterans empowered to protect African wildlife. So these guys are military vets who are protecting literally uh, wildlife that is in danger of extinction, elephants, rhinos, what's, you know, in Africa. Yeah. Right? So I'm actually a board member there and I go to Africa three, four times a year, you know, with those guys and uh, they have various bases there. So, but, but this, this thing all came organically, you know, yeah. it came organically because we just said what we thought. And then this was the attraction of the guys get, you know, these guys were attracted to the band and a message and or attitude. We were always outspoken about it. You know what I mean? Like today it's, you know, it's, it's, it's almost unfashionable right now, or, you know, like the, lately it's about the police, right? It's unfashionable, yeah. Yeah. you know, to be, you know, friendly with the police. Actually, I was at the police station today. I was donating them like, you know, O3, O3 generators that can, disinfect the facilities and, you know, and their cars and whatnot. And Damn. so, you know, it's, we don't care because this no, is what I believe in. I don't it, give a shit, you know, about some, you know, some, you know, like you can go back to the fire hydrant if you, if it's necessary, but you know, I don't care what anybody has to say. I believe in this and so I'm doing it. And, but this all came organic from the first record on more and more and, and when we were playing certain songs, I could see that guys are saluting in audience. So this developed to the point where the USO started to invite us because we became probably the most popular band for military members, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then we started to do a USO tour. So we went to Iraq in the middle of that, you know, which could be a whole new podcast, what happened there. Because yeah. we were there, we were, got, we were shot at in the whole nine yards. Right? Oh, you get to come back so, whenever you want, I promise. <laughs> so, yeah, so there were plenty of uh, subject matters there, man, when we were, you know, taxiing around with, you know, the Black Hawks. And, I mean, it was an incredible experience, but, you know, we were playing there. A bunch of shows, we went back, you know, Kuwait a couple of times, you know, um, all the Pacific Rim bases. So, so for a while, if the band didn't have a show for a month, that didn't mean that you look at your or tour dates. That didn't mean that we didn't have a show. It meant we were probably in a military base somewhere. Yeah. So yeah, so we were all over the country playing in military bases, going to military hospitals. I mean, we were, you know, we were and, doing that, and, and um, and yeah, and then they just got bigger, really you and guys, bigger and bigger. You, I mean, you guys have an all-around awesome group of guys you know when i first when i first met you guys you know i met i met everybody at once and it was like every every dude in your team was inviting super nice super polite like everything was like everything was it was like i didn't feel awkward like uh hi one of one of them knows me (laughs) it was like hey come on in hey do you need anything it was like every one of your guys is the night one of the nicest people i've met Like, I mean, and, but that's, that's kind of what happens, you know what I mean? Cause there's nothing to prove, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, for example, I'll give you an example. We were, we were in Europe in the middle of that whole terrorist attack, Bataclan, all that stuff. So we were on, in Europe on a tour. And so when that happened, all the bands went home, right? Yeah. Almost every band went home and yeah. we were on tour. And so I pulled together a meeting with, 
with the, you know, with uh, the crew, right? And abandoned the question was like, okay, guys, well, we are fighting in that punch. We can't go home, but still, whoever wants to go home, this is your opportunity. If, if you're scared, if you, you know, we were actually targeted. So we did, we were on the target of ISIS, the yeah. list. We were number six, which is pretty shitty that they didn't make Popeye, but you know, okay. <laughs> you know, after all this work, you know, so, so basically, I pulled together a meeting and, you know, my whole crew is there and everybody's like, okay, everybody in this crew was either, either former police officer, former military or a martial artist. We're not going home. And I'm talking about <laughs> everybody. So that's our crew. That's why, yeah, because no, that's awesome. everybody's, uh, uh, you know, even my, even, even my video guy that holds the camera <laughs> is, a. Uh, a high-level Muay Thai fighter, 15 years of, of fighting. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like a sound engineer, police officer. You know what I mean? Uh, the, or, Your head, or of head of security. Yes. Yeah, head of security. He was the hand-to-hand combat instructor for the Army for 22 years, right? Yep. Um, the other guy who's – because we have three security guys, right? The, the other security guy is a police officer, right? And the third one is the – the last remaining Kung Fu Grandmaster, wow. Wing Chun Kung Fu Grandmaster. So this, this is our crew. This is the worst <laughs> band to fuck with. It's like <laughs> the, the absolute worst band to fuck with. Oh, you know? And then our audience is worse, meaning every, every single show, okay, anybody... It's military who, people. <laughs> yeah, it's like anybody who served, put up your... Because we do this. Anybody who yeah. served or still serving, put up your hand. 70% of the audience. Okay, firefighters... Uh, police officers, first responders, first responders, put up your hand. At least a thousand people. You know, I'm like, this is the mosh pit you don't want to be in. Nope. You know, nope. Don't come around. This there. is the this is the crowd you don't want to mess with, right? You know that bro metal for the gym guys. Okay, <laughs> okay, get into your mosh pit. Let's let's see what happens. Let's let's talk shit from there. Oh, that's great. And you know what, you know? man? I'm so excited that that us over here we're kicking off. We're kicking off the five finger death punch coffee again. You know, it did, it did. Yes. It, it was, it was great when we, when we did it a couple of years ago and now we're bringing it back, you know, people like yes. it. So, um, we're glad to have you back as a, as a partner. I mean, the best name for it, the black rifle, like look, black, ri- Hey, black rifle. I, I'm, I'm prepared. I'm drinking coffee. I got my black rifle. Why would you be in a backyard without your, you know, this is actually really nice. I'm battle optimized, super light, you know, it's, <laughs> Love it, and and a coffee mug. You gotta appreciate that. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> that's awesome. Hey, this has been great, man. This <laughs> these, these stories are awesome. And again, yeah, we gotta have you back to hear about just the USO trip because that's that that sounds super interesting. Oh, man. I, I mean, we, we got at one point. I'm gonna have to do uh, you know some kind of a movie. The the shit that happened in in 13 years on the road. Oh yeah. It's incredible stuff that, you know, people just would not believe Inc- <laughs> incredible stuff. Well, Hey, uh, stay safe out there and Hey, where can everybody find you at, uh, personally on Instagram and stuff like that? Okay, So yeah, let's do the plugs. All right. Yeah. You know, thank God I don't have to do the hair plugs. I just do this guy. <laughs> you know, I have, you know, so, uh, obviously Zoltan battery, throughout all the platforms. So you're going to find me on Facebook, Instagram, even TikTok, whatever, you know, <laughs> I'm looking at that. It's pretty goofy, but you know, a lot of people are on it. So 
So when I'm unplugging Christmas trees around the world, I put it on TikTok, you know. Actually, I did that. Like my un- Christmas tree unplugging tour. The first one I unplugged was on uh, Heathrow Airport. I literally, I literally needed to use the charger, so I unplugged the phone. The cops were running like, what the fuck? Like, I need two minutes, guys. Just let me... Oh, so funny. I've ever seen some unplugging Christmas trees around the world just for fun. Anyway, so I put that on TikTok. So TikTok and uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Zoltan Battery. Obviously, the band has Five Finger Net Punch and Five FDP. And then on uh, YouTube, we have this series that every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday we upload a new you know episode for the quarantine theater. That, awesome! You know? Awesome! Yeah, yeah. So we are we are working, you know. All right, go and check Even it out. Even in quarantine, man. Even in quarantine. <laughs> well, thank you, Zoltan. We appreciate it, and we will see you again soon. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Free Range American.